G'day and welcome back to the Fantasy Footy Brains Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm in the hosting seat today and I'm joined as always by the man behind the brain, which is of course Daniel. Daniel, how's things, mate? What's been going on? Good to be back. Oh, mate, it's good to be back into this fantasy stuff, hey? I guess the the kind of off-season, it's very, very long when you don't really watch NRL um, for what? It's been four months now, five months really. So yeah, keen to get back into it and there's some uh, there's some good talking points. So we'll get straight into it, I reckon. Yeah, and you've been carrying the team, mate. You've been doing all the graphics. So definitely, if you're not amongst the Footy Brains community, have a look on our Instagram, Facebook, etc., and look at all the all the graphics and stuff you've been whipping up over the off season. They look good. Um, was there anything else you want to kind of say to start off here, just with what we're thinking about this season? Yeah, I guess just to cover off all the stuff that we're thinking about for the 2024 season. So leading up to round one, the split round one, we'll probably just be doing stuff intermittently. Just keep an eye on our socials because we'll update everything there. Um, by the time round one hits, we'll probably get back to doing podcasts weekly. So that'll be good. And you'll get the normal content that we normally do. You know, the buy, hold, sells, the break evens, captaincy options, all that good stuff every week. Um, for those that want to get into a bit more detail, we'll also be launching our Patreon again soon. So through the Patreon, it's a small subscription service and basically you'll get some uh, specialized content round one. So we'll be doing some uh, draft consensus rankings amongst our, our uh, the Footy Brains team. So we'll be getting some consensus rankings there for draft. And we'll also put together a, a value predictor. So basically it's just a little, little tool that you can uh, basically put your averages in and it'll give you an idea of how much... It, uh, value in cash each player has so you can have a look at that and it's even got the predicted team list and stuff attached to it as well also involved in the patreon is our personalized team review so if you want us to have a, an in-depth look at your team before round one hits we'll be doing that for you happy to have a call and run you through that uh, and we'll also give you some trade advice throughout the season if you stay um, subscribed to that service so uh, be looking forward to seeing some of you guys um, subscribe to that yeah if you want us to rip your team apart join up on patreon and we'll will slam you for all your decisions. Pretty much. (laughs) I can't wait to do that. That'll be fun. Uh, Of course, also have, yeah, weekly questions and stuff as well that we do. So, yeah, keen to get back into it this year. But um, I guess, mate, without further ado, let's let's get into some team stuff and just kind of, the plan today is just to run through each of the positions and just look through the players we're looking at, who we're considering, we're looking to see who's training the house down in the next couple of weeks to um, potentially make their way into our team and who we're kind of looking on for with the um, the trials and that as well. So let's start with the hooking position. This one, actually, I guess probably to start off, just some kind of general advice and I just want to make sure you agree with me about this as well. You kind of want to have one sub for each position. So your hooking position obviously only takes one position in your team but you probably want to have a sub there especially now with the buys and to cover for injuries and stuff like that is that the approach you usually take you want one extra roughly from every position yeah pretty much just in case there's injuries buys you know anything that does come up you want to have at least one for each position obviously your your uh, players that have multiple positions will be handy as well um, but we'll talk about that in a bit more depth as we get to some of these players because there's a few good value players this season that are dual positions, so that'll really help uh, coaches out throughout the year. All right, so starting with hookers, I think the obvious choice and probably the one I'm looking at to start the year is Harry Grant. He's 25% owned. I think 
you kind of just set and forget him and lock him in there. He's 788, so he's not cheap. But I don't know. He seems like the clear-cut choice for, for Hooker, in my opinion. Is that the way you're running as well to start off? Yeah, pretty much. I think Grant, even he even has a little bit of value in him um, at 788K. He's just actually, I saw an Insta this morning that he just got announced as a Storm captain for this season. So that might you know, add a bit more responsibility, might spend the whole game on the field. He was getting rested towards the back end of games or through the middle um, last year, you know, playing around the 70 minute mark. So hopefully he plays the full 80 minutes this season. And yeah, with that captaincy under his belt, you know, holds a bit more responsibility, maybe boosts his base stats. I don't know. But at 788K, I think that's a pretty decent price for a gun hooker that you're basically going to be holding on to all year. And I think hooker is one of these positions where you probably want to run with a gun, someone in that higher echelon of price versus one of the cheaper options, just because they're usually one of the better scorers in your team they make a bunch of tackles sometimes get some kick meters and things like that as well um i have two other guns that i've kind of got in the kind of consideration bracket the first one that i'm kind of eyeing off is jeremy marshall king i saw you had him on an avoid for the footy brains (laughs) podcast which i immediately highlighted and this is one of my favorite things to do just disagree with daniel whenever i get the opportunity but I kind of think he presents a little bit of value just because, and listening to my good friend, NRL Physio, who had a bit of a podcast the other day and was reviewing some injuries, I think people forgot that he was playing with half a shoulder for that back end of last year, which really hurt his scores. He had a couple of low minute games in there as well, where he maybe got HIA'd or something like that as well. So he played a few sub 50 minute games, which really hurt his average as well. So I think there's some value there. He's got another year in that system. I think the Dolphins will continue to kind of hit the ground running. So I kind of like him as an alternative. I've also got Reese Robson. There's a little bit of value there, I think, with Reese Robson if he continues to play that 80 minutes and the Cowboys hit some form, fingers crossed. But they're probably the only other two options I'm considering apart from Grant. What are your thoughts? See, with Jeremy Marshall King, I don't hate it. It's just that there's just so many, there's so many players this season in the hooking role compared to last year where there was barely any value in that hooker position. This year, there is a surplus of it. Like not only Robson and maybe JMK, I understand what you mean by the injuries, but really, is there a huge leap? Not really, maybe three or four points. So there might be a bit of cash increase, but there's huge value in other players like your like your Brendan Hands, your Joey Lussicks, your Brendan Smith, who also had a pretty injury affected oh, season last year. And I know you he's hate ready that. to be hurt again. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to fall into that trap again this season because at 540k, mate, he just needs to be a consistent, well, not a consistent, but just an average hooker that gets an average number of tackles and a few, you know, attacking stats similar to a Grant. And he's already going to be scoring, you know, mid 40s, even 50 some weeks. And that's enough for him to get, you know, 100K in price rises. So I think that there's just so many other players for that hooker position that will surpass Jeremy Marshall King in terms of value. And it's like, depends how many hookers you want to start off the season with. Mate, if you want to start off with four hookers, be my guest. There is value there. But do you really want to be doing that to your team? Probably not. Jeez, he's ready to be hurt again. He's going to trade Brandon Smith in four or five times again throughout this season. Um, and then we'll get here every week and you'll just be on your soapbox being like, why did I do this again? <laughs> he always looks juicy. Um, but I do agree. So let's let's talk about the Parramatta hookers because they're probably the most 
interesting ones to me out of Hans and Lussick. I think traditionally whoever gets that job plays 80 minutes. Um, and if that's the case, round one, where one of those two is named Hooker, I'm not sure which one it's leaning towards at the moment, but I'm pretty keen on one of those two. Yeah, absolutely. And Brad Arthur's already said during the press conference, uh, during their, their preseason, that he was only going to rely on one of them for 80 minutes. So most likely, I think he would probably be leaning towards Lussick because the back end of last year was much more Lussick favoured, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. I just, it's it's still concerning, right? Like you just don't know if they're going to revert back to two hookers. Like will be at, will Lusick or Hands be able to shoulder eighty minutes? Will their scores reflect that as well? I'm not sure. Even when Hands did get big minutes, he was getting you know anywhere between thirty five to fifty. So there was still a bit of variance there. It just kind of depends um, if long term they'll be eighty. But I think if either of them is named round one and there's no bench hooker, I feel like you should be able to get some decent value out of them for the first couple of weeks before, well, to see if that experiment fails, right? Because if after a month he reverts back to having two hookers, you could probably sell one off and still have made 50, 60K off them anyway. So I think we're going with one of them either way from the start of the season, depending on who it is, obviously. Yeah, I'm very keen for that. Um, the only other one that I'm kind of eyeing off, who is also one that's hurt us in the past, is Danny Levi. Looks probably about 100k undervalue if he's starting and assuming he gets around 50 minutes if he's starting. Um, he's only priced at a 21 average, so you think he surpasses that, but it's going to be a pretty slow burn and there's probably better options for your backup hooker. Um, other See, ones I that disagree. I'm, I disagree with that. I think, I think Levi should... You your team? I think he is pretty much like if he gets named to start, even with like Starling or or Wolford as a bench hooker, I think Levi's yeah a, a decent buy at two eighty six k. Even if he does get thirty, that's probably still eighty to one hundred k in value you can get off him over the first month, five weeks, and then upgrade him. Well, not even upgrade him. You probably sell him off to another cheapie, and you've made a hundred k already from that over the first month. So. I think Levi's a player that probably most experienced people will be looking at to get, you know, say an easy 100K in and then be able to flip him for someone else in the first month. I'd still be considering him is what I'm saying because he does have that value. The problem obviously was last year he had that season-ending injury after what round one, round two. Um, this year he comes in at a huge discount. Normally he's, you know, amongst the high 300K mark and obviously you don't want to touch him if he's sharing minutes, but... If he plays 40 minutes, I, f I feel there's value there. You know, he scored decent decently with that kind of minutes. So, yeah, don't, He's interesting. don't hate it. It's definitely interesting. Yeah, don't hate it. Although some folks definitely keen to not have him in my team. Tanner Boyd, cops a list at hooker. Love um, Tanner Boyd. <laughs> probably closely followed by Billy Walters and Wade Egan. Not too keen on those guys. Just, I think they, especially Wade Egan, he had a pretty good year last year. I think he probably comes a bit down to earth again this year. One other that I'm I'm pretty keen as an avoid is Jaden Braley. I know some people think he's going to make value. I just think he's too expensive. Coming in at 575k, he's probably at that higher echelon of mid. And then 
I think he's going to split minutes with Phoenix Crossland. I just think every time they've tried to play him 80, he gets injured. Phoenix Crossland showed he was pretty good there last year. I can just turn see him turning into one of those, you know, 55, 25 splits and kind of, I don't know, him not being too relevant. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that is probably my only worry with Braley is the minute split. Otherwise, you know, if he plays 80, there's there's value there because he'll average in the low 50s. So if he does get an 80-minute job, he's instantly um, a player that you probably want to be looking at having. But it's hard to predict because they're definitely going to be running with Crossland off the bench. They could, you know, do that whole switch around where, you know, Elliot comes off, Braley moves to a lock, and Phoenix Crossland goes into that hooker role so that Braley still plays 80. He's the captain, after all, so he will be out there. Um, But whether he's out there for 80 is the big question. So I think just because of the amount of value that there is there in the hookers, he's probably not one you'll be starting with, but he's one to definitely watch because if he plays 80 round one, it looks like he might just be a buy for round two. And, yeah, you go from there. Okay, nice. I think that pretty much rounds out the hookers. So we're both locked in Harry Grant and then probably whoever's the Parramatta hooker of the two we're looking at, maybe Brandon Smith as well. Yeah, Let's move on to the mid. Sorry, sorry, just to add to that, I just wanted to add uh, Reid Marnie to the list there because not as a a must-buy or anything like that, but he's definitely one to watch because if he has that, if he gets rid of that style that he had throughout 2023 where he basically just sprinted out of the line to put a hit on, if he gets rid of that out of his game and stops missing 10 <laughs> tackles, he's instantly a buy as well because he's so so cheap compared to what he can um, be scoring. So, yeah, one to one to keep an eye on, Marnie. Yeah, 580k, it's not a bad price. In, I definitely prefer him to like a Jaden Braley, I think, this year. Um, let's talk about the big boys, the, the mids. Obviously, yeah, classic choice here. Paint Haas is going to be a premium I think Hopgood now is definitely in that category as well with Isaiah Yo. They're probably the top three that I'm considering if I'm looking at buying a gun. Is How are you splitting those three? If you can only fit one of them in your team and you've got Haas, Hopgood, Yo, what are you kind of looking at to make that decision? That is probably one of the easiest decisions to make. I'm going Haas pretty much every day of the week there. Um Although Yo is very, you know, splitting hairs, Yo's just behind him. I think Haas, just given his track record, he's proven every year since he's become, you know, a, a staple in this Broncos team that he is an outright gun and he'll be scoring, you know, 55, 60 plus um, every game. So, yeah, I don't think there's there's much to discuss there between those three. Hopgood is getting there, but I think until you see like a season or two of consistency there, um, probably not one to be starting with just because he's so expensive. Like, it's crazy how much, you know, Hopgood is considering he doesn't have that, you know, consistency behind him yet. Even looking at looking at his minutes last season, you can't really tell exactly how many minutes he's going to be getting this year based on that. So, yeah, at 800K, well, what is he, 837? He is dual, but, you know, I'd rather have the, the consistency of a Haas in that position if I'm going a gun. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. For an extra, like, yeah, 50-odd K going up to Payne Haas definitely makes sense. And he's highly owned as well. So that's probably another thing that, especially at the start of the season, I'm looking to kind of go a little bit more cookie-cutter than I normally would, just to yeah. kind of, like, alleviate risk. And someone like Payne Haas, he's pretty set and forget as well. He's going to be a staple in your team. He's 
worth the money, I think, for your top mid. Yeah, absolutely. Although mid, though, you've got a lot of other good options here, especially in kind of mid-ranges. One that's pretty popular owned is Ruben Connor. He's got the co-captaincy from the Cowboys. He's around that 600k mark. Probably sees a little bit of value um, as well. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he was straight into my team when Fantasy first opened this season, and I thought that I was going to have him. But since, you know, redoing the team multiple times since then, uh, he's kind of fell down the pecking order to a couple of these cheaper blokes. But, um, yeah, I, I see the value, but I think everyone's just assuming that the Cowboys are going to turn into a top four side again based on their 2022 the performance. That is the, it's a good assumption, but based on how they did last year, I wouldn't say it's uh, that clear. It was basically Scott Drinkwater and friends last year. Um, but yeah, I just don't see, I don't see him getting back to his, you know, 2022 form just because you've got so many other good players in that pack. But I do see a bit of value there. I can see him, you know, improving to maybe a, a 50 averaging player. So, you know, there's still 80 to 100K there. It's just whether you want to spend 587K to make that money because like we're going to discuss some other blokes now. There's some guys there that are, you know, hundred, 200 K cheaper that could still make that amount of cash. And it saves you a bit of cap space in your mids as well. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I'm yeah. Don't hate the him. Guys, basically. Don't hate him. Yeah. <laughs> He's in my team at the moment, but definitely subject to change. The other guys that I'm pretty interested. One of them is Tom Flegler. I think he could have an increase. He's, 513k there's um giant arrow kind of falls into this mid category as well um they're probably other ones that are plus 500k that i'm interested in what are your thoughts on those two yeah i don't hate flegler as an option i just he he needs the boost in minutes like if he can get 50 plus minutes a game i can see the value in him but he has to be getting that consistently because any less and he's probably not going to outscore his uh, current break-even. So, yeah, like, with a break-even of 37, if he gets 50 minutes, he's probably scoring around a 40. But he needs to be getting, you know, 55-ish minutes to be worth the money you're putting into him. Because when you look at players that are alongside him, like like a Josh Curran, for example, if he, you know, nabs that high-minute lock spot at the Dogs, Josh Curran, for cheaper, has a lot more value in him. Um, than Flegler. Like, there's just so many good value options around this this uh, this 500k range that Flegler's probably the lowest value option option of those in the category. Well, let's talk about Josh Curran while you mention it. What's it looks like he's going to get that lock roll for the Bulldogs. It's definitely some value there for him. Is there anything else you want to kind of discuss with him, Josh Curran? Yeah, I mean, coming in at 501k, all he needs in that lock roll, if he gets 60 minutes, he'll be scoring around a 40 anyway, so there's already value there. But any higher than 60 minutes in that lock spot, you know, he could be scoring anywhere from 55 to 60 um, if he gets, you know, upwards of 70-plus minutes. If he plays 80, he's an absolute steal. He's going to be a hop good of last year, basically. So I think Josh Curran is, if you see him named in the number 13 shirt from round one, he is a lock in your team for sure. Like, you just set and forget pretty much for him. With a break-even of 36, he'll easily crack that um, round one. And, yeah, last season was really weird for him at the Warriors. He was playing off the bench a bit. He was getting 
you know, dropped from the team altogether yeah. at points of the year. So I think I mean, he did show. Games. Like, yeah, he did show when he played 70, 80 minutes for the Warriors last season with through injury. You know, Tohu Harris was out for a bit. Nia Kore was out for a bit. When he played 80, he was scoring in the 50s pretty much every game. Like, I'm, I'm looking at some stats here. Around six and seven, played 80 in the second row, 52 and 58. So, like, if he gets those minutes, he'll he'll score big for sure. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it was just a rough season for him last year. I just think he wasn't really on the in um, for that Warriors team, unfortunately. And also, just quietly, probably one of the best player profile pictures in NRL fantasy at the moment. Jeez, the moustache, the locks... He's looking good. Yeah, um, that must mustache is a bit suspect. But, uh, <laughs> not too bad. Similar to Pappenhausen, to be honest. Both of them have similar mustache hair combinations. Looks the goods. Well, one of the cheapies a year, considering here in the the mid range that we haven't talked about. Uh, other considerations. There is also Totola. Um, he's one that has been in and out of my team just based on his price. Had a pretty injury-affected last season, um, but if he can get back to regular minutes, he should be scoring in the mid-40s, high-40s range, which presents a decent amount of value as well. He's only at 485k with a break-even of 35. Um, another one I'm considering is Liam Knight as well. It's oh, yes, obviously, I got him. Yeah, dependent on, obviously, if he's starting. If he's off the bench, I probably would avoid, but if he gets a start... Hopefully should see 40, 45 minutes. And with a break-even of 28, I think it's a no-brainer for a starting prop um, to have him in your team. Very cheap and, yeah, should make you a bit of cash. And, um, yeah, they're probably my big ones. A lot of value out of the Bulldogs pack, I think, as well, because they got rid of Raymond Fatala Mariner. They've had Ryan Sutton. He's out with a knee injury, I think, till mid-season. So they've also got a junior in the name of Sam Hughes that will probably get a bench spot and might be a cheapie that some people include for round one as well. Yeah, good shout on Sam Hughes. He's pretty highly owned as well. Um, let's kind of transition into the edge chat and some of these dual positions as well. Let's You're just talking about RFM, Rafael Mariner. He's moved over to the Dragons. He really interests me. He's probably my top candidate to who I want to see train down the house in the next <laughs> couple of weeks at the Dragons, just because... You look back at their pack last year when they were playing Ben Murdoch, Masilla at edge, and just their rank forward rotation outside Jack DeBellin. Um, I think there's some real opportunity there for Fatal Mariner, who is a gun, um, and in the past has averaged in the 50s. Always a kind of fair favourite of mine for fantasy. Would really love to see him do well there. Um, it just also, depends on what his role is, right? Like for Fatal yeah. Mariner, it depends. Like, will he just be a bench rotation forward? Will he get a spot, you know, in the back row? Yeah, it's really, it's hard to tell at this point where he will, where he'll fit in this team. Most likely he starts as a rotation forward and then maybe given some form, he might crack the team. But most likely he's probably just going to be stuck on that bench, in that bench rotation, depending on what Flanagan wants to do with him. Yeah, disgusting. Unfortunate. Um, yeah. <laughs> the other one who really interests me in the edge position, and I'm surprised he's only 10% owned, is Sean Lane. He was one of the first in my team. I think he was pretty unlucky last year with injuries. NRL Physio said he was one of the, he was one of like one or two players that had three different significant injuries during one season. 
So it's obviously going to mess up your season if that's happening to you. Yeah. I think coming in, he's got a full preseason. He's back with... Um, oh, shit, now I'm blanking on his name. Dylan Brown. Um, yep. Having him on the edge there. And, you know, if he stays injury-free, I think he can definitely go up in prices, probably about 100 to 150K undervalued. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's just going to come down to minutes for Lane. And he's one I've got on the shortlist, but there's a lot of players in this edge spot that, you know, are on my shortlist for for value options as well. But Lane is probably the best one of them just because he's already proven that, you know, given 80 minutes, he can, you know, score in the 50s and make um, make some big scores if he's given some attacking stats, you know, a couple of tries here and there and he's close to the 70s. So definitely some upside there in Lane. Just, I don't, know how this forward rotation is going to go with Parramatta. You know, is Hopgood going to be playing close to 80 or is he going to be, you know, rotated um, back to the bench? You know, you've got your Madisons, you've got Tua Lungi, you've got Bryce Cartwright there taking minutes. There's a lot of forwards that will be, and the fact that they're only going to be playing one hooker from round one getting 80 minutes means that there's going to be another forward on the bench as well rotating. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that forward rotation goes. I think Lane... Just because he's played 80 in the past for Parramatta and they've played so well with him there, I think he's probably going to be close to a lock to getting 80. Um, I'm just, yeah, a little cautious at the moment. Like, he's probably one that in my team that I've, I've got him currently in my team, but if if it gets close to having, you know, I'm just a bit short on cap, cap space and I need to downgrade a player to get someone, he might be one that misses out, but I really don't want to get rid of him because, yeah, he's got so much value in him if he can get that 80-minute roll. 100% agree. Um, let's transition, mate, and talk about Josh Schuster. What are your thoughts on him? I think there's already some chat around that he's not going to be fit for round one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so much speculation. Some, some injury that would take most people like two weeks to recover from. It's taken him two months for some reason. <laughs> um, but is. Is he a lock in your team if he is starting in the edge spot round one? Yeah, I think he's a lock. If he's named round one, I think he's a lock for for the Vegas game because he'll, that means he'll travel and should most likely play unless there's some some news that comes out beforehand. But if he's named, I think I'll put him in my team. Just the fact that he's you know his break even's thirty and he's averaged in the high forties when he plays that edge role. So I think he is probably yeah he's probably a lock in my edge. At the moment, I know there's a lot of, you know, conjecture around him. You know, he's got the, he had the fractured finger and he's got calf issues and all that. But I think if he's named, he should be a surefire start. And the fact that he's only 400k makes it pretty easy to to shift him off out of your team to, you know, someone like a Piacora, um, or even a cheapie that emerges after round one, um, round one there. So, yeah, not too bad. Surely if the, um, if the Roosters are all getting first class, tickets across mainly can make an application <laughs> to get Josh Schuster transported in some cotton wool over in first class and make sure he's all right for round one. That's all I'm saying. But um, <laughs> the other one that's quite popular here in the cheapy category, Pierre Cora from the Broncos, he's under 400 K. looks like he's going to get that edge spot for the Broncos. It's probably going to be him or Willison, uh, who's also pretty highly owned here, but I think if whichever one of those two is named starting on the edge for round one, probably, I guess, a little bit dependent on the bench makeup as well, but I'd be pretty happy to lock either of those two in, 
assuming they're going to get probably 60 plus minutes. Yeah, I think Piacora is probably the lock to get uh, the big minute starting role. Um, the only issue I think I had with Piacora was if TPJ, you know, happened to sign a, a contract with the Broncos. I know there was a lot of, you know, rumors around him him signing for this season, but that's the only risk to Piacora because then you'd have Willison and you'd have TPJ looking for a starting spot. Um, most likely Piacora is going to get that spot. Willison's probably going to be off the bench. Should still play 60 at least Piacora, but... Um, yeah, I think he's a pretty safe buy as well, also at 400k. Yeah, nice. Um, I think that kind of rounds out most of our edge chat. There's a few guys that are maybe a little bit team list Tuesday dependent, how they all get named. Yeah. If Ben Trebojevic is named, he'll probably come into calculations for people. If Sia Wong from the Roosters is named, he's probably one that comes into talks to at 440k. Even Sean um, Bloor as well, if Sean he gets named Bloor as well. As well. Yeah. He's another um, one that I think, similar to Lane, if he gets named in that back row spot, I feel like I'll just jump on him most likely. For sure. Yeah. Um, but let's move on, mate. Let's, unless you have anything else to talk about, let's... Nah, that's pretty much it. Sweet. Let's go into the halves. And we've obviously got the two big dogs here, Cleary and Heinz. I guess to start off with, are you... You're starting with one, you're starting with both. What's your strategy to start the season here? I am a both fan at the moment until yeah. till the start of the season. Um, I think, like, obviously, you know, Trindle coming in for the Sharks means that Hines will probably lose a couple of kick meters. I think I calculated he'll probably lose about four points in kick meters, but that's still a high 60 scoring half every week. Like... Yes, he's at a million, obviously, but that means he'll only lose, you know, 40, 50K from that value and he'll still be scoring, you know, close to 70. So I don't see why it's a huge turnoff for Heinz. I think he's a pretty much set and forget for most people, most, well, for most people anyway, alongside Cleary. I agree. And I think in those points that he potentially loses in kick meters, he might make up in overcalling Trindle on various plays versus when he was playing with Matt Moyle and he probably had a bit more of weight um, in the team there. But <laughs> I think it's going to, yeah, I think it's all going to kind of work out for him. And I think if, you, if you're splitting hairs, I'd prefer Cleary over Hines, but I'm in agreement, man. I'm going to start with both of them, I think. And I think that's probably a pretty popular strategy to start off with. Yeah. Is, I mean, how can you turn down 140 points, you know, off the bat with those two? in your team. Yes, it's 2 million. Obviously cap space is going to be tight, but that's just such an easy, an easy, easy captaincy options and easy points to get every week, you know, week in, week out. So yeah, no brainer. And I sadly had to sacrifice uh, pass to try and get in Nico Hines when I was playing around with my team, which maybe yep. Haas comes straight back in at some point. But I think I was just looking at it. And I was like, how am I going to get, Nico Hines, if I don't start with him, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, how are you so going to get up to one deal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so I think for that reason as well, he's someone that's easy to sort of lock him in, set, and forget. Yeah, and there's also like, there's not a lot of great options in the halves, which probably even more incentivizes me to go this option. There's not too many unreal cheapies, there's um. KO Weeks, which 
maybe we'll talk about more in the winger fullback cheapies, but he's someone who might get that half spot for the Raiders. Kyle Flanagan potentially might get a spot there at the at the Dragons. Um, but yeah. that's a little bit up in the air as well. And that's, I don't know, Kyle Flanagan has had points where he just kind of gets 30. He's just like a 30s guy. Not someone I really want in my starting half spot or even on my bench. Um, yeah, he's like the he's the Danny Levi of this halves position <laughs> at the moment. Honestly, you know he's going to be a thirty plotter. He'll make a bit of cash, but he won't get you. You know your your fifty sixties plus. Not not a chance. The yeah, only I other guess- person that I'm really considering, and this is pretty left field, but I'm kind of interested in Tom Dearden. Which is God, there's been so work. much dead and chat <laughs> on the Insta. I hate it. I hate it a lot. I hate it a lot. Um, I get it. I understand where people are coming from, but yeah, I unless he takes a big step, I just don't see it. I don't see him getting, you know, high forties, fifties plus. I don't know well, where it's a, coming from either. He had a pretty down year last year. I was looking at his stats. He had a down year last year. The year before he was probably about five points more than he was last year. If the Cowboys hit some form like we hope they will, um, and he has got that co-captaincy as well, maybe he takes a bit of a lift. Look, there's there's a narrative there. There's <laughs> Yeah, there's you, can, you can talk through that story in your head as much as you like. Just don't try to convince me about it. Uh, is there anyone else in this position that you iron off or want to talk about? Yeah, I guess Fogarty is the big one on everyone's uh, everyone's lips. Everyone's kind of going Cleary Fogarty at the moment and foregoing Hines. I do see the value in Fogarty, and I think, you know, just based on... I had a look at the stats for, for Whiten um, and his kick meters per game. Um, it probably means Fogarty's got about four or five points of improvement if he takes over all of the kick meters, which is looking likely if, you know, a Weeks or an Ethan Strange partner him in the halves. So there is a bit of value there. In terms of... Further attacking stats, I don't think there's much more on offer at the Raiders, just considering the fact that they've lost Whiten, the fact that they're introducing a bunch of um, juniors into this team. How are they going to look this year? Probably not a top eight side, but there is value in Fogarty if you can pick up those base stats. So I understand the selection. I just don't think there's a huge jump like people are going to be thinking. Like people are probably thinking that he's going to start scoring mid-50s plus. He's probably going to average out at like 52-ish, which means there's a couple points in value, but it's not going to be anything crazy like you're hoping for. Good shout. And I guess just to round out the chat as well, there's two other guys that are pretty highly owned. Ezra Mam and Sean Johnson, who was amazing for us last year. Two guys I'm not really considering to start the season. I think Sean Johnson, if he comes back to the if he shows that he's still got that form from last year, I think it'll be one that I kind of aim to get in as soon as possible. But I think I kind of want to see it again before I buy in. And for the sake of, you know, he's pretty close to that Heinz Cleary mark. I'd rather spend the extra money and get the guys that have more proven. And then Ezra Mam, I'm just never a fan on. If he always he has these games where he has like a fifty or whatever, but most of the time it's sub thirties and not really for me. Yeah, everyone's still dazzled by the grand final on Ezra Mam. I think <laughs> um saw him score that double and just assume that he's gonna be a shoe in for a big fantasy season. But yeah, I, I can see a little bit of value in Mam, but not not as much as people are thinking. 
Um, but I, yeah, I like your shout on Johnson. Wouldn't start with him, but probably looking around Origin period, like you're going to lose Cleary and Hines over Origin anyway. So Johnson's probably your your obvious. What is it? Round thirteen pick. Whenever Origin, you know, um, buys start, get him in. Sweet. Depending on obviously how he scores, he could go back to be you know a mid fifty score. Um, half. You never know what's going to happen this year. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. All right, let's move on, mate, to the best position in fantasy this year, which is, of <laughs> course, the center position. And it's, I don't even know how to say this without saying clusterfuck, man, but it just sucks. <laughs> the, the center, there's not much going on here. We've, a lot of teams at the moment seem to be rocking with Ethan Strange or Eero from the Sharks. They're all pretty popular owned, but... I don't think either of them are going to get named. Oh. <laughs> uh, Ethan Strange will. Ethan Strange will, you think? Okay. He definitely will because Sebastian Chris is out and they traded Harley Smith Shields. Traded. They, Harley Smith Shields left to go to the Titans, I think. Um, so Strange will start at centre, but Seb Chris will be back round two. So he's probably only going to be there for one game and it's going to oh, suck a lot of coaches in. But yeah, I don't think it's one to start for him. I guess what what are your options? I'm I kind of want to say just for this wait for TLT and decide what's going on. There's a few options. Obviously, if Trebojevic is named in the edge spot, I feel like you can start with him at center. Jed Cartwright, if he has any starting oh, position for the Knights, please, yeah, <laughs> that would be unreal. He would be 100% in if he got that starting edge spot, for example. But that seems yep. Probably unlikely. Um, yeah, I think everyone's, all coaches have their fingers crossed that just one of these cheapies just gets named for big minutes, especially Iro after being, you know, having a huge season for the Sharks in the New South Wales Cup last year. He's going to be one that people are hoping on, but I just don't see Talakai losing that that uh, position, just how destructive he was in 2023. I don't think he'll, he'll forego it for Iro, even though he's like an up-and-coming junior. It's just uh, I agree. unfortunate. I mean, there's there's so many positions um, or players that are fighting for a position. I mean, Alamotti's even got a chance with Taylor May still coming back from a, from his uh, knee injury ACL. Yeah, so Paul Alamotti still has a chance at Panthers, and if he gets a, if he gets that spot over him, I'm probably going to jump on Alamotti just given he'll get a lot more opportunity at the Panthers than he was at the Dogs. Yeah, don't mind that shout for sure. Um, there's maybe some utility. Utility is probably not the right word, but maybe some feasibility and whoever gets that wing spot for the Broncos out of Jesse Arthurs and Dean Mariner. Um, what are your thoughts on, on those two? I just, I'm not yeah. sure if I can go back to Jesse Arthurs. He, <laughs> another one that had a huge grand final and everyone's going to be looking at him being like, yes, he's going to do it again. But no, I, I think Arthurs is going to be very attacking, um, attacking stats dependent and he'll need tries just to even hit a 30. Um, so I wouldn't be going near him. And Dean Mariner, the fact that he comes in at 450k hurts and hurts a lot. And he's only coming in at that high price because he scored a double and ended up with like a 60 or something like that um, in the game that he did play. So um, Mariner, it's just there's there's not a lot of value in some of these centers at the moment. I, I think I would avoid both Arthurs and Mariner to start the season. Um, there's a lot of other players there, like, you know, like that are highly selected, like, you know, the Hammer, Bronson Sherry, Avarillo, 
I probably steer clearing at them as well. Like Avrilo moving to the Dolphins, yes, it's probably a better team, but will he be afforded as much opportunity as he got at fullback? Probably not, now that he's in the centres. Sherry, we don't even know if he's going to be starting round one. Um, and the Hammer, he needs to score a try per game again to have any sort of value in him. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, so, it's just such a shit position this year at centres that it's just going to come down to who's <laughs> selected round one and just go from there. And I don't want to spend it on a gun. I don't want to spend 600k, you know, getting a Manu or whatever because it's such a waste of cash on centres. I kind of agree. And that's probably something we need to highlight for folks as well. Like it's, you're just way better off spending that 600k and getting like a Ruben Cotter who's at least going to get you, you know, in the 40s versus putting it all on a Joey Manu who could get a 31 week. Um, I guess yeah. he's got that upside, but... I guess that consistency and just stacking the pack is usually a good way of starting the season. And then you can kind of assess the the backs on form and how teams are looking at the start of the year because it's just so unpredictable at the start. Yeah, lean towards your safety points, for sure. Exactly. Um, two of the left field options I wanted to discuss. One is Valia from the Cowboys, if he gets that starting center spot. There you go. More Cowboys. From, more Cowboys, yeah, just get them all in. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom Dearden's edge as well. Um, <laughs> Love that. But I don't know. If he gets that starting edge spot, 360K, I'd much rather have him versus a Jesse Arthurs. Um, think he potentially gets some value. I don't know if he's going to win that spot over Zach Labert, but if he does, he's obviously brought over from the Warriors. Kind of interests me. Yeah, I think just looking at his stats from the Warriors, Violia, like his base stats are just so low. It's heavily reliant on attacking Doesn't stats. Doesn't matter as well. when you're scoring tries. That's that's what I mean. It, it's going to be all attacking stats focused. So if he can score a try game, just like Hammer did last start of last season, sure, go for him. But I think it's uh, it's one that um, I'd probably avoid. I mean, if he scores a try in the first game and you know his break even turns to be you know negative one or something like that, I might pick him up for the quick cash grab, but. Probably not one that I'm going to start with. That's fair. There's one other name I want to mention, and I was listening to the Magic Sponge podcast the other day. They out of this guy is maybe the buy of the year, semi jokingly, but did lay out somewhat <laughs> of a case. Okay. Um, Tommy Talau moving yes. clubs to the Seagulls. Soft launch with Jess Sergis, who we know from the <laughs> Bundy Mixer. Yep. Um, maybe some extra points. Considering uh, considering that, his agent is the same agent as uh, Anthony Seabold, who has historically liked to play players from that agent more. <laughs> okay, That was like what got him in trouble with the Broncos, apparently. This was all copyrighted from the Magic Sponge podcast, but it was a good <laughs> yarn. Listen to that if you want more Tommy Talau chat. But kind of interests me at 265K. He's pretty cheap. So you've if, also got to have the, the asterisk next to his name that he was at the Tigers last year compared to Manly exactly. this year as well. So I, I don't hate it. I prefer to allow over Vilea, that's for sure. Well, I think that's enough center chat. That's dumb me for, <laughs> oh, one other for the season. Maybe Kotrick, maybe Chuck Kotrick in the, in the, the list of players to, to pick if he gets started, but um, if he gets a starting spot, sorry, but. That's probably That's not an awful shout. Maybe he can make some. He'll get like twenty points in tackle breaks. 
that's about it. That's all he needs. Uh, just round one, yeah. if he just gets a huge score and just quick cash grab, and then I can offload him to someone else. That's that's fine. I'd happily take that. It's similar to AKP last year, like Camprera. Just needed one big score to just get enough of a price increase to to offload him. That's all I need. Actually, I do want to quiz you on one more thing. If you're going to pick a premium option in the center, who who are you choosing? The ones that come to mind. You're thinking like Val Holmes. Um. You think yeah. Joey Manu? You think Campbell Graham? I'm avoiding. Thoughts? I'm avoiding Gagai just because he had an unreal season last year, and it's probably not going to replicate that. Um, Tungor, he had those couple of huge games the back end of last year where he scored over 100, one of them, I'm pretty sure, and then he got injured. So his average and therefore his price is inflated. So probably avoiding him as well. Herbie's moving to the Dolphins. Won't get as many opportunities in attack as he did at the Broncos, that's for sure. I mean, you're going from a premiership, almost premiership winning club to the Dolphins, who's still developing, so probably not going to have the same sort of stats. I think Manu and Holmes are the two better options. Holmes off the back of a rough year with the Cowboys and Manu just a, you know, a staple and will get, um, you know, get you those 40s and then come origin time will get you bigger scores when he replaces Teddy at fullback. So I think, yeah. They're probably the two premium options at center if you were to spend there. I like it. Let's move on to winger fullback, mate, which is a much more interesting position. And let's start with, he was pretty much the first picked in my team as well when I saw his price, Ryan Pappenhausen, coming in under 500k, 33% owned. Any concerns? Was he a pretty easy lock for you as well? Yeah, absolute lock. No concerns. I get he's injured, but well, was injured, but yeah, there's no concerns there whatsoever. Preseason under his belt, um, hoping to get back to those high 50s, mid 50s scores that he's used to. So yeah, I don't really think we need to talk about Papanazan too much. Surely he's going to be like the most owned person in fantasy come round one. Like the fact that he's only at 33% is ridiculous at the moment. He should be closer to 50, 55, you know, where clear he's at at the moment. I kind of agree, especially, yeah, that price under 500k is, is a lot yeah. for me. That's 200k and, in value just sitting there, for sure. Yeah, I think people forget how, or maybe people who are new to fantasy, two years yeah. ago he was pretty much the top winger fullback option um, and almost the top fantasy option, like he was a legitimate captaincy option most weeks towards the, like in that season. So, yeah, he's definitely won. With the goal kicking... The Storm, when they have a weaker matchup against, I don't know, some of these lesser teams that we're predicting, like the Dragons, he can turn up those weeks for sure. Yeah, I completely forgot that he's a goal kicker as well. That's, yeah, even more reason to pick him up. <laughs> I mean, you haven't, I haven't seen him kick in the last year and a half because he's been injured, so yeah. <laughs> I also want to talk about Jaden Campbell. He's another one in this same kind of price bracket, same ownership percentage as well. If he's getting that fullback spot for the Titans, he's pretty much a lock for me as well. Thoughts? Yeah, completely agree. Um, I think they said that Brimo is moving to the centers, so that pretty much opens up Campbell to be their starting fullback. I think that there was some speculation because they have a buy in round two. I think Fafida and Campbell are still recovering from injuries. Um, so they might not play round one, be rested round two, and be starting their season round three. If that was to be the case, you'd obviously hold off on Campbell 
But I think if he's, you know, if he's named round one, you pick him up. Um, if not, you hold off, you wait till round three, and then you buy him round three. So, yeah, Campbell should be in pretty much everyone's team as well because he can average in those uh, low 50s, high 40s, uh, low 50s, high 40s area. And the fact that his break even is 33 means that there's at least 150, 160K value there to be had. I like it. Um, next, I want to talk about these Raiders guys. We've got Xavier Savage, who looks like he might get that fullback spot back. We've also got KO Weeks, that we kind of touched on earlier. Are you looking at starting with both of those guys, plus an Ethan Strange, just loading up on you know, guys that like drinking Canberra milk? Or what are your thoughts on on those three? Yeah, there's also even Chuck Chevy Stewart into that equation as well. He's another one that um, you know whose name's been thrown around a bit. Uh, I think Weeks is probably one that I'm avoiding at the moment. Even if he does get that starting five eight role, I just don't think that he's going to score consistently enough. Just based on the games that he had for Manly last year, where he was kind of up and down. You know, scored twenty odd some weeks, scored ten others. You don't really know if he's actually going to be a consistent player there. Um, but I can see why people will like him. If he does get that 5.8 spot, pretty cheap, 250K, 18 break even, fair enough. Feel free to jump on him. I think Savage is the one that if he's named at number one, you pick him up no matter what. He's generally, I think the last season he had a full year was back in, what, 2022? Um, yeah. And I think average was close to 40-odd, I think. Or 20, yeah, I can't remember what year it was, 2022 or 2021, where he averaged quite well, um, if you take out the games where he played on the wing and was playing at fullback. When he played at fullback, yeah, he was an absolute gun, averaged around the high 30s, 40s mark. So I think Savage is a, a pretty straight-up pick if he's named at number one. I like it. And Chevy Stewart, um, yeah, I don't think he's going to get named there. I just think that people are throwing his name around because he's Ricky Stewart's son, so, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess there's another couple of cheapies that are kind of floating around. This guy from the the Tigers, Solomon Alamalo, I want to say his name is. Uh, yep. Looks like he's going to get the spot there on the wing for the Tigers. If he gets that now, that round one spot, you're gonna is he kind of set and forget for you? You're just gonna start him his basement price. Well, the Tigers have the buy round one, so he's not one that I. We'll uh, start true. with. That's probably the only thing that is stopping me. Obviously, Naden is also fighting for that position at the moment, that wing spot. Um, the fact that they got Olamim, I think that means that I think it's Olam and Kapoa that are the two centers there. I might have to check my notes, but I think that most likely Naden is fighting for a, a wing spot there at the Tigers. Alamalo should be should be starting, but. Yeah, that's he's probably one that I'm going to wait till round two because I assume that there's going to be someone in my team that probably shits the bed round one. So Alamalo <laughs> is my out, my safety out, basically. So if, you know, a Pierre Cora only gets a 10 or, you know, Pappenhausen or something gets injured, you know, round one. Oh, please don't. I shouldn't have put that into the into the universe. That's bad. Shouldn't have said that. Um, but yeah, he's my out option, basically, for round two because I assume he's going to get selected. Oh, Stafford Toa. He should be the other center. Sorry. I think, yeah, he's in my team at the moment. If there's some mail that comes out closer to the end um, of the season or the start of the season, I guess, when 
that's, you know, having him on the wing there. I think I'm going to start with him. And you can kind of use him as that loop option for round one as well, which is kind of nice. Oh, yeah. Um, Didn't even think about that. That's good. Yeah. I think that's probably one thing I learned from last year as well, just like not being too scared of the bye weeks and using those players as a loop as kind of an advantage versus trying to trade him out each week versus when I tried it out, David Fafida in round four, and then he averaged 70 for the rest of the yeah. season. <laughs> he did too. Oh, that was good. It was such a good luck charm for some players. <laughs> we do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about with winger fullbacks? Um, I guess probably just to round it out as well, Any, if you're going to lock in one of these premium options, whether you're looking at like a, a Reese Walsh or a Kalen Ponga, which one are you leaning out of the two of those? That is a great question. Um, I I just feel there is some value in Ponga based on how he was scoring the back end of last year was absolutely incredible. Yes, the Knights were in ridiculous form as well. You know, they literally scraped into the eight and then they actually performed into the finals. Um, I think Ponga, I think I would go for Ponga and pay that premium to get him in because he can turn up on his day. Uh, Walsh, I think is probably, yes, he's still developing it as a player, but fantasy wise, I think he's probably at the high end of what he's capable of doing because he's one of those players that's going to get you tons of attacking stats, but he's going to have a lot of demerits because, you know, he's trying different things. He's always forcing the ball. He's trying to force plays in attack. So he's going to have a few errors to his name. Um, so I'd probably be leaning Ponga and just paying that that premium to get him in. Yeah, I think that's a good call. That's probably what I'd be leaning at as well. Yeah. And even we haven't even spoken about uh, Tyrone Munro, actually. Um, yeah, good shout. Bunnies. He's probably another cheapie that I'd be considering. He did have a couple of games where he was kind of average in 2023, but I think he'll be similar to, you know, a, a Khan Pereira where he'll score big on some weeks and then go back to a base of about, you know, mid-20s. I still think there's a little bit of value in him, um, so he's another one to consider. But one to not consider is Blake Taff. Stay clear of him, for God's <laughs> sakes. People keep asking me, sending teams, being like, oh, is this a good team? And Taff is sitting there right in the wing of fullback spot, and I hate it every time I see it. Yeah, it looks like Crine probably gets that fullback spot for the Bulldogs, right? So, unless... well, I mean, even if Taff gets the fullback spot, he's he's scored his scores, fantasy scores were average with the Bunnies at fullback compared to now moving to the Bulldogs and even at fullback. Like, I just don't see how he's going to get more points being at a, a worse team in attack. That's fair. Yeah. Anyway, not saying he's a bad player. He's he's very active on the field, just fantasy wise. It just doesn't. Just, I don't just know doesn't what, why it doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't happen for him. Might be the new Corey Allen. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't need another one of those. Well, mate. Oh, I can... and yeah, just while we're talking, Tupolotu has moved to the Dragons as well. So, got a hand even... them. They're making some moves. Yeah, the Dragons. He'll probably start, and it opens up uh, to Lau for the for the oh, manly. Yeah, pack. let's go. <laughs> Suppose we'll see come round one how it all pans out. Lock in center, Tommy Talau. Heard it here first. Didn't he have like a minus five last year? Something let's ridiculous. let's don't worry about that. It's fine. <laughs> it's at the um, it's at the Tigers, so it's fine. It means nothing. It's the forgotten yeah. year. It's fine. That Brookvale, you know, Brookvale over all the Manly beaches or sort them out. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, mate, is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap up? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. And that, yeah, takes us through all the positions. Uh, yeah, just keen to get back into it for this season. Um, yeah, keen to be talking to the fans throughout the start of the year. I guess um, some of the other stuff that we might be doing, we might set up our um, our Footy Brains drafts again, like you did last year. We're, we're still trying to sort out if we're going to be doing that. And, you know, the Champions League ones that you put together. So if you're interested. Yeah, in- definitely. Yeah, if you're interested in that, let us know. Yeah. If you're interested, send us a message. We'll see how many people we can get together. Um, but yeah, just keen to get back into the season. Keen for some games to start, see some trials. For sure. Well, yeah, cheers for listening, and um, we'll see you here on the internet very soon. Thanks for listening to the Footy Brains podcast. Please follow us at Footy Brains Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to further support us in what we do, you can do so through Patreon. All links are in our socials bio or through the link tree in the episode description. Good luck, and we'll see you next week.